This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast, where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty, the G5 football community on the SB Nation Network. Uh, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to those of you that are celebrating um, on this Conference USA edition of the show. We're going to go back and look at the uh, fun stuff that happened in Week 12 and look forward to uh, Week 13. If you've been here before, you recognize myself, Joe Londrigan, Western Kentucky blogger over at UDD, along with uh, my lovely co-host, the former Old Dominion kicker punter, Satchel Ziffer. How are you this morning, sir? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, yourself? Hanging in there, you know, um, getting stuff done, getting ready for the holiday. Yeah, same. Yeah. Stressful times. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, when this publishes, I'm, I'm probably going to spend the morning just sifting through people's uh, food picks, so... That's what I'm thankful for on Thanksgiving Day Instagram because I can just scroll through plates of mashed potatoes and turkey and you know yeah. all the food. I'm part. probably going to be sifting through the hate mail, hate tweets from, uh, <laughs> West, from North Texas fans. <laughs> I leave you alone for five minutes. <laughs> hey man, it had to be. It, it all had to be said at some point. I just, just happened to be the worst to say it. Just get it all out in the open and see what happens. <laughs> Oh geez, um, yeah, it's it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Thank thank you guys for hanging with us. Hope you guys didn't enjoy my or hope you guys did enjoy rather my uh, my spiral into madness talking to myself in the last one. But uh, we we won't be doing that again probably. Um, so uh, thanks for sticking with us, and we'll go ahead and jump into the week twelve recap. Uh, first game that went down on that Friday night one was uh, Western Kentucky beating Middle Tennessee 41-38 to in triple OT. 37-yard uh, field goal by Ryan Nuss sealed the deal. Uh, this was a crazy game. 13 points combined in the first three quarters. Uh, Western Kentucky came in with a 10-3 to lead in that final period. Uh, but then the game gets tied up before the end of regulation. And this was just such a fun shootout to watch. Like... The WKU-MTSU games of years past, really. So uh, 779 combined passing yards between the two offenses, 485 for Western, 294 for Middle Tennessee. Uh, Mike White earned Offensive Player of the Week honors with five touchdown passes to go along with that yardage total. Uh, so for Western, it was essentially the same issues that they've had all year. Offensive line was bad, netting 53 yards in the rushing attack, and... Uh, letting Mike White get sacked five times. Uh, this time, though, it was just enough to get a win. Rather, they they held off the mistakes and the things that have plagued them long enough in order to just sneak through. So, with that, Western is officially bowl eligible for the seventh straight year. Yay! So, no, I uh, um, I obviously like we talked about. I didn't get to watch this game. I was kind of doing some things. Um, just so everyone knows, I was in the West 
this last week, so I just that was why I wasn't able to do the show to have any of my stuff. But um, yeah, no, it just kind of seemed like one of those games where I think the the most concerning part, at least for you know the rest of the season, going to the bowl game for Western is just you know not letting teams kind of come back in it, and they kind of allowed Middle Tennessee to do that. Um, I wish I had kind of watched this game. I would have loved to see the triple overtime, but just in general, I mean, Mike White, he's kind of back to form these last few weeks. Like, obviously, he's shown what he should have been showing the whole season if he had, like, a, you know, more in-tune offensive line. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Western's not going to win the Czech Conference Championship, and that's a letdown for them each year because, you know, they should be, you know, vying for it. But I think, you know, it's a big accomplishment being able to go to seven bowl games in a year in, in a row. Yeah, for sure, and I think this win should quiet some of the uh, Mike Sanford critics, at least temporarily, and now, meanwhile, with the loss for middle, the uh, Rick Stockstill critics pick it up a little bit, and MTSU has one more chance to make a bowl game this year with their game next week, uh, which we'll jump into. Um, yeah. But ha- have you seen any of this drama on Twitter? Oh, it's about... There's so much toxicity. Yeah, and... I've I've been looking around for like specific examples of it, but I the story is apparently Middle Tennessee players are just telling fans not to come. Is that yeah? I saw kind of the so I saw some I saw some tweets. So it all started, and you know, don't hate me if I'm wrong on this, but it all started with a guy who tweeted um, basically like the team and the AD from Middle Tennessee because he went he and a couple of his friends go to every single game. And he went to the bathroom, and one of his friends was wearing like a like one of the special jerseys from last year, and a p- couple of the players like started making fun of him, I guess, for it. It seemed like, so you know, everyone kind of was like, you know, this kind of just seems like a team that just doesn't even care about their fans. And then the players decided to be idiots and just tweet, t- you know, tweet those like those fans. And you can't do that, man. Like you can't do that. It's, and I don't know why the school hasn't come out and apologized or done anything like that. But that's just such bad publicity. And like you have, you have all these like season ticket holders, all these guys, people that go to all, every game that are just saying they're not going anymore. There's no reason to go if Brent Stock still can't or Stock still can't uh, take control of his team and like be dis- like discipline him. Right. Like if that's the case, and that's was the source of all this trouble. Like. It, it, I don't understand why you would do that. I mean, with G5 football as it is, it's a little tougher to get fans to come out to these games when they have the other options so close. Being in Murfreesboro, you have, I was going to say Tennessee, but no. Um, Vandy's a little, <laughs> Vandy's there. I, I understand that there's other options for uh, being a football fan, especially in the Southeast. So I feel like at this point, if you are able to get fans in the stadium and get fans loyal to the point where they're coming every game and like, well, they're traveling, they're traveling to the away games and that's where it's ridiculous. Right. Exactly. If you have fans that are loyal to that point and even where they're buying special edition jerseys, where usually I feel like with a lot of these teams, you, you don't typically get to buy those at the team store. You have to buy those at like special auctions or something. So I I feel like if you're a player, you kind of have to take a step back and realize that and think about that and, you know, don't piss off the few fans that you do seem to have. So, well, and that's what, that's why I tweeted. I tweeted at them all and I was like, Hey, you know, by the way, ODU, uh, our, our players, uh, hand delivered, uh, season tickets to our fans this year. So do you ever want to join us? Anyone, (laughs) you know, we'd love to have you. We're getting a new stadium, too, so that'd be cool. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody looking for a transfer. But at the same time, like, stuff like that is nice. Like, 
appreciate loyalty and reward those who show it if you're a marketer in college sports so so we so we know for a fact that stock everyone knows it's it's pretty well well known that stock still is kind of like a he just he's kind of just i mean he's just kind of like indifferent to like the whole idea of having like a public image in a way i think um and i think i think you need that especially at this level i mean this high of a level you have to and most coaches nowadays are kind of just you know they're the figurehead instead of just being the coach because they have like the assistants to be the real coaches like that really on a level on like a face-to-face level with the players like you need to have some type of recognize like recognizing like that this is wrong and you need to end it you need to you need to step up and like you know take control of this i mean coach wilder like i'll just give an example of coach wilder we didn't even we weren't even allowed to talk smack in the games i mean i mean this is a funny story but um my old the old holder for me uh, Joe Polisic, who coincidentally his cousin's the best soccer player in U.S. American history. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, I, I was like, talking to him, and I was like, after our next field goal, I want you to like we were seeing all like the field funny field goal holder celebrations, mm-hmm. like, and so I was like, just shoot an arrow, just act like you're shooting an arrow. He did it like very minutely, like no, no one could tell. Mm-hmm. And Coach Wilder came up to him, and the whole next drive just ripped him to him because. Because like we're just like you, just, we, you show respect and mm-hmm. I I really I really like applaud Coach Wilder just for like, the amount of respect he shows to every single person, um, even the players. Like I mean he he did not yell at us much, but like he when he did, like he was in the right to yell at us. Like we were in it. Like we did something stupid. Like if that was so, I think respect all the way around for the players, for the coaches, uh, for the fans, for the administration. I think that is why, you know, some programs like do really well and some don't. And I think that's why you see programs like UAB doing really well because everyone, everyone's all in there. Everyone's all in the season. So, no, I agree. At a certain point, it's not about your public image. If you're stock still, it's about the personal development of your student athletes. So exactly. I feel like at that point, you have to kind of step in and make sure that you're fulfilling that part of your role as a head football coach. But yeah. that's I think that's our two cents on that. So we'll move along to recapping Old Dominion and Rice. ODU sneaking away with a 24-21 win. Another game that got exciting in the fourth quarter. Uh, ODU led 17-14 going into that final quarter. Uh, Rice dug out two touchdowns to briefly take a 21-17 lead with two minutes left. Uh, Stevie yeah, Williams. Yeah, I was. Sorry. <laughs> Luckily, Stevie Williams came up clutch with a six-yard touchdown run with about 40 seconds left. Uh, Rice had a chance to get another score, but Smalls threw a pick. Um, so Rice just can't catch a break, and ODU gets a really big one with this victory. Dude, I don't know what it is about our team and like just our program in general, but this happened. This has happened three of the four years we've been in Conference USA, man. Two years I played, and then this year, last year, we just had a good season overall. But we go into we we go on a huge losing streak in the middle of the season, and then somehow we end up find a way to almost pull out you know four games to be bowl eligible. We did it. We did it in 2014. We won three in a row to become bowl eligible, and then last year, and then 2015 we almost did, and we lost to FIU in the final week of the season. I just think or FAU, sorry. Um, it's just so funny that, like, I, I said it at the beginning, or, like, halfway through the season, I said there's a great chance that MTSU and ODU are going to be playing for, like, the chance to go to a bowl game this week. You did. And, you did. yeah. But I, I think you're seeing – I think this is a little different than those last seasons because I think you're just seeing a team mature. 
And I think you're seeing a quarterback mature. I think you're seeing the offensive line kind of become cohesive. And I think that's what's – and it's all, like, just taking time. I mean, especially with all the injuries, there was a lot of distraction. There was a lot of, you know, moving players around. And I just think you're starting to see, like, everything kind of come together. And so this week is going to be an interesting week, especially with the turmoil between MTSU and ODU trying to just, you know, I really, really hope to see them, you know, pull out another game. And I would love to see just more, like, because they're all, you can just tell everyone's just kind of maturing, especially Stevie Williams. Yeah, um, Old Dominion, this is a huge chance to kind of make a statement with the way this year has gone. If they can somehow dig out ball eligibility, that would be amazing for the program and for that young quarterback. Um, yeah. With that, we'll move on to uh, Tech doubling up UTEP 42-21. to Another bad day for the Miners. They drop to 0-11. Could get literally nothing going in the first half of that game. Uh, overall sloppy start for both offenses. Tech's first two possessions resulted in lost fumbles as well. Second half, UTEP. I felt like they were just going for more big plays, and it sort of was working for them. Um, you saw notably like the, right. I mean, they they were just going for it, and you saw that notably with uh, Ryan Metz throwing that 83 yard touchdown pass to Tyler Batson. Uh, but Tech was able to clean up the mistakes in the second half, and were just tough to stop in both the the run and the passing attack. Uh, Jacquees Dancy and Boston Scott both had at least 134 rushing yards in the day. Jamar Smith uh, tacked on 49 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And uh, Smith also went 15 to 28 through the air for 203 yards and two touchdowns uh, in the past game as well. Uh, I know it was just against UTEP in this game, but uh, Smith just continues to get me excited by how he's developing. So I feel like he's gonna. I feel like he's gonna grow into even more of an effective player uh, next year. But the way he's kind of progressed into kind of like a pretty good dual threat quarterback, like I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, he's a sophomore, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quote me on that. But yeah, between him and I mean, there's a bunch of like great, like good quarterbacks that are gonna be like back next year that are all like you know multifaceted. They can do run, they can pass. So, like, I think we're kind of turning into that kind of off, like, that conference for some reason. I mean, and which is interesting because, like, the last past few years we've been, like, a, our quarterbacks have all mostly been pocket passers. So it's it, it's really fun to, like, kind of change up everything. And um, he's going to be a good one. I mean, especially only being a sophomore right now, being a junior next year, having been a senior year. I mean, Louisiana Texas, obviously, they found their quarterback of the future, at least for the next couple seasons. For sure, for sure. And uh, Tech getting a critical win, as we kind of thought they would, but at the same time, they're now up to five wins, need one more coming up this week against uh, UTSA, which we'll get into. But that's another one that we kind of predicted would be the case with Louisiana Tech's bowl eligibility hinging on the last game of the year. Yeah, um, I didn't kind of expect the UTEP or UTSA to be already bowl eligible, but good for them to be able to be there. Why are they? Why? Why are they only six and four? Do they have two more games? No, they have. Oh, one... that Houston game got canceled. Yes. For, yeah. yeah. For okay. those that don't remember, they had the game at the Houston Cougars on the schedule, but due to uh, complications with Hurricane Harvey, that one ended up being canceled and was not rescheduled. And since it's so late in the year, probably will not be. So yeah. that, that if you if you look at the schedule and kind of scratch your head, that's that's why that is. Moving on to Southern Miss, just running the table against Charlotte, sixty six to twenty one was the Golden Eagles' victory in that one. 
uh, complete domination from USM. Ito Smith had 153 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. On the defensive side, uh, Kelsey Douglas, the senior defensive back, had his first two interceptions of the year, and they were both pick sixes. So, uh, plus Corey Robertson, one of the most underrated receivers in this league, in my opinion, had a 45-yard touchdown grab. I mean, this was just never close. No, not at all. You know, I'm, like, looking at Southern Miss, and I, you know, the thing about them is I think right now they're playing probably the best ball minus FAU in the conference. I think they're probably the best team right now, other than FAU, obviously. Okay. But, and that's good to see, especially with the team that, you know, obviously they, they've had success the last few years. Um, next year, I th- think they're still pretty young, so most of these guys are going to be returning. So, like, obviously Southern Miss is probably going to be a front runner for to win the conference next season. Um, but for them, I mean, it, it's just really interesting to see all of our teams. Like, every team almost is going to a bowl game this year. And it's just like we kind of, like, predicted that 9 or 10 will. And that's about what it's going to be. But, like, there's a lot of good teams, that, and they're all we're all pretty relatively young. And it's just going to – I'm just trying to, like, wrap my head around what's going to happen next year because I've already given up on this year. <laughs> it's it's interesting that, like, Southern Miss is at this point because they've just been good, but they've been inconsistent. I mean, you have the uh, – you have the where they really kicked on, in my opinion, the 31 to 29 victory over UTSA, uh, and then a 24 nothing win over UTEP, 34 to 27 win over Tech, and then they come back and lose to UAB 30 to 12, drop one to uh, Tennessee 24 to 10, and then they have uh, then they come back and they have 109 points in their last two games. So I mean, even yeah, with, I mean, even with if you're playing an FBS team. It, no matter how good they are, that's impressive. Unless you're UTEP. Are you UTEP? <laughs> Speaking of uh, UAB, tough day for them. Uh, they lose 36-7 to to Florida in the swamp. Not much to say, really. Only points for UAB came from a 74-yard touchdown pass to uh, Xavier Ubasi from A.J. Erdely. Uh, it was a beauty of a ball, but, I mean, that was it for the Blazers. So UAB's usually prolific run game, just three net yards in that one. And Florida just ran away with it. Bad day for UAB. Yeah, I, so I think, like I've said probably a couple times, my whole family's Gators. I'm, I grew up a Gator fan. Um, this was a game where I actually thought UAB could have won it. Like, I like it the, before the game, I was like, I, Florida's so bad this year that we could lose this game somehow. Um Got to give my shout-out of the day to Eddie Pinheiro because that kid is just going to be so good down the line. I mean, he's a kicker, if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, and he uh, – kid never played a football game until he got to Florida. Mind you, he had like nine scholarship offers from D1 teams, including Alabama. But the kid's so good, he's uh, – I don't know, man. He's, he, he's the one that got gotten on ESPN multiple times for hitting like – 80-yard field goals. 80-yard field goals? So, yeah, look it up, man. Kid right. hit it like an 80-yard field goal. All right. Might Ridiculous. Have go, might have to go on a little YouTube hunt for that later. But I, yeah. I kind of had similar thoughts about UAB's chances going into this one. Yeah. I Florida has been in kind Atrocious. of rough shape. Yes, they've been in rough shape for most of the year. UAB has uh, looked great considering, you know, first year being back and all that. But, I mean, they were – 
flat. So that was a little bit disappointing, but already secured bowl eligibility. And as big of a win at an SEC team would be, you know, really didn't have much else to uh, to play for in that one. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it was a little disappointing, but. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I love Florida, but their season's lost, and I would have loved to have seen a team like UAB who, you know, Al, you know, the whole University of Alabama, uh, like, state system discredited them. <laughs> Obviously, I, I think most people at least know the story by now, but just to see them first year back beat a SEC team would have been pretty cool. So For sure. Um, we'll move on to, uh, another game that I picked wrong, uh, North Texas 52 army 49, uh, mean green win this one on a 39 yard field goal by Trevor Moore in the closing seconds. As I kind of suspected North Texas did not pretty, impressive. <laughs> they did pretty poorly defending the run. Uh, army put up 534 yards on them on the ground. Uh, yep. luckily for North Texas though, Mason fine had his second highest passing yardage total of the season with 386, uh, tied his season high with yeah. four touchdowns as well. And uh, Jeffrey Wilson, two touchdowns and 72 yards on the ground. So, yeah, still not impressive. <laughs> yeah. Fourth best team in the conference right now. Just relentless. <laughs> Just not giving him any credit. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you know, I mean, well, I mean, at this point, North Texas, they got one game left on the schedule. I believe it's, yeah, Rice. So they'll get the victory there, and then we'll see if they've been able they'll to. They'll just get trashed. <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they have FAU in this in the conference championship coming up in a couple of weeks, and, I mean, their run defense has got to improve. I have all their, you know, I have all the respect in the world for that offense, but if they turn into simpler performance against FAU in the conference championship game that they did this past weekend against Army, then you're right. They're most likely going to get stomped. That aspect of their game has got to improve. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're awful. Their their running defense is almost as bad as their their feelings get from joke tweets. <laughs> so <laughs> now I uh, you know I. It's cool what they've done this year. I, I mean, they've won a lot of games. I'm, I'm, I'm a critic because I truly don't believe that they are the best team in a the West, and then I just think they've scraped by games that they shouldn't have won. So I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't hate North Texas just inherently. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even hate them. I just think that they are not the best team. I do hate your fans though, North Texas, most of them, because you guys are bullies to me. And you just. <laughs> Tweeted me like nine million times when I was just joking around. Jeez. Uh, just don't just don't <laughs> boycott our podcast. That's all I care about. I mean, I, <laughs> the dude. The okay, uh, okay. He's not. I, he said he's never gonna listen again. So I'm just gonna say this, just so everyone knows. And like people have like this is this was his huge huge argument that if I'm getting paid for this, I should be more pro- professional. Oh, I have bad news dude. for you, dude. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bro. I, was, Did you really I don't say get that? paid. <laughs> yeah. He said that in a tweet and I was like, sorry, bro, don't get paid for this. So I'm going to have as much fun as I want. <laughs> oh, boy. like I'm allowed, to, I'm allowed to have my opinion. I'm allowed to have fun with this. And if I was getting paid, yes, I might be a little more professional, but even then, Man, maybe I wouldn't because I like being the devil's advocate. It's fun. <laughs> so. Yeah. If, 
we had a couple more games to get through here in the Week 12 recap. Uh, FAU 52, FIU 24. Uh, first of all, FAU controlled this one the whole time, led the entire game, weren't in danger of losing the lead, really. So the Owls clinched the East, uh, improving their record to eight wins. Uh, the run game was great. 25 carries for Devin Singletary, 164 yards, two touchdowns. But uh, even in the passing game, they, they were fantastic. Jason Driscoll was 18-25 for 231 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Kelly Woods caught seven balls for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Monster day for the wideout. Uh, not an altogether terrible performance by the Panthers, really. Just not able to keep up with this FAU offense. Yeah, I mean, they played the two best teams in the conference week after week, so you can't you can't you can't really, you know, say that it's their fault. They just played the two best teams in the conference last week and this week, so Yeah. For or sure. the two weeks ago. They played all Dominion two weeks ago. I was just joking. <laughs> we beat oh, them yeah. though. That's true. Man, man, well I say that getting off a plane thinking that ODU just lost because I just assumed that they lost and thus lost bulk bulk eligibility then seeing that they won 31 24 that was a great moment in my life yeah old dominion did get that victory two weeks ago against fiu so their losing streak now comes to uh two games but at the same time like with fiu you're already bowl eligible you already have like the best start in school history there's not really anything to hang your head about if you are if you're a panther fan it's been a really impressive year considering where that program has been uh, really since they started. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see where that program goes. I think they're going to go anywhere. I think they're going to go up, especially considering I believe they just got a three-star recruit like two weeks ago or maybe a week ago. Oh, yeah. And, and Butch Davis isn't going to, like, get taken away. So no, he's he's there really. to stay for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're, they're, it's the so. start of something cool being built. Uh, at FIU. It's the start of something new. Sorry. That was high school musical. <laughs> no, I was just waiting for the next <laughs> lyric, but at the, if you sing too well, we'll get copyright infringement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last one, UTSA 9, Marshall 7. That was probably the most surprising result of the weekend for me. Another game decided in the final seconds. Uh, UTSA led 6 to nothing going into the 4th. Marshall then puts together an eight-play, 74-yard drive for a touchdown with a minute and a half left. Then UTSA able to drive down to the Marshall 23 with six seconds left. Jared Sackett hits the 40-yarder as time expires. So pretty big upset there. Uh, Marshall drops to 7-4 and four on the year. UTSA improved to six and four, and they are bull eligible with these. Uh, they're bull eligible for the second straight year with one game left. Ballin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was an interesting game. I mean, I'm glad I didn't make my prediction because I did not think UTSA was going to win that. So good for them, though. I mean, who do they play this week? Actually, we'll talk about Tech. that in a second. Yeah, they. Yeah. they oh yeah, that's going to be an interesting yeah. game. Yeah, they they play Tech, but, so that'll be. That'll be a fun game, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean UTSA. I they've as much as they've like fallen off a little bit in the past like two three weeks. Um, the fact that they're able to hold a Marshall offense that's been as prolific as any offense in the league this year. It, yeah, I mean that's a, that's an impressive feat, and I've been saying all year I think UTSA has 
um, you know, top three defense in this league. And the fact that they were able to come out when they really, really needed it against a good Marshall team and get the victory. I mean, that it, it was something to watch. So, well, yeah, like, look, I, you know, I believe so. UTSA is probably the best Conference USA team in Texas. So, and there's not even a question that they are the best Conference USA team in Texas. Yeah, there's no team in Texas that's better than them in Conference USA. So, um, it's good to see them just continuing to do well. Um, good for them. Bully for you. Bully, bully, bully. Dilly, dilly for you, son. <laughs> dilly, dilly for the Roadrunners. Um, <laughs> So that wraps up the Week 12 recap. Before we jump into uh, Week 13, you'll remember that uh, two weeks ago I lost the bet for uh, when Western lost to Vanderbilt, and you gave me my temporary header that I had for a while of Big Red and Grimace, and then the following week I we made a bet on which game was it. I can't even remember. One second, I'm gonna go back. I'll, I'll I'll know it right when I see it. It was week week eleven, I think. Yeah. Pretty sure it was week eleven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, UAB UTSA maybe. Did UAB won that one right? Yeah. Yeah, that was it because I picked UTSA. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it is because I I always pick UAB. Correct. Because I I just have I have I I have they have cojones, man. Yeah. You <laughs> you have become a ride or die for the Blazers, so. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> so what so we were, what what, were the, point, the point what we were getting to was we have kind of developed a system of little challenges that the loser of these bets has to do. And just due to life being crazy the past couple of weeks, Satchel never gave me uh, my punishment for that one. So I'll give you the chance to do it on the show this week. What do you want me to do? Joe, this is just going to be personal. You are going to just pose. I'm going to – there's two things that you can choose which one. I could send you – or no, I'm not going to send you a shirt because that, that's a lot of money to send to, to Portland. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just going to send you a picture of me, and it's going to be a, it's going to be like a very nice picture of me. And I want you to tweet it, or I want you to put it on your Instagram. And what I want you to put with it is, ladies, he's single, and then tag me. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. Yes. I, I, can, I can tell you for – you know, I hope – that you get some nice love from all my aunts that follow me on Instagram. That's, that's fine. That's... All right. So. <laughs> well, like I got tweeted the other day. My mom literally told me that I was hopeless and would never find love. <laughs> so I need all the help I think I can get. All right. We can, we can help you out in that department then. Um, trying to get Satchel some love on the Instagram um, to all my, like, Actually, I'm, I'm going to change never... that. What is it? We're going to, I'm going to change it. Instead of saying ladies, he's single, it's just going to be, you're going to have a man crush Monday. <laughs> it's going to be me. <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. I can do that. Uh, so this coming Monday following Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I'll, I'll just do a screen cap of my Instagram and post that on Twitter. So be on the lookout for that of my <laughs> man crush Monday of Satchel. Sure. What is my life? What is my life? Anyway, um, I need to pick games better, I guess. That that should be the first step in kind of repairing the broken shell of the life I lead. <laughs> yes. Um, Correct. All right. So we'll jump into the week 13 preview then. Western Kentucky at FIU is the first one. And I think WKU takes it, but if FIU gives them, you know, one last scare as Western Kentucky games seem to have gone this year, 
I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's, you know, uncomfortably close. Ooh, it's a Friday night game, too. Um, yeah. This is, this is actually going to be a really interesting game because I think, I mean, I'm guessing you're picking Western Kentucky to win this game. I am. I'm picking Western Kentucky, but the, I believe it's going to be uncomfortably close, as most of Western's games have been this year. See, and this is the interesting thing. I think Florida International is going to win this game, and not because I think they're the better team. I think Western might be a little better, but I think since it's at Florida International, last game of the season before – actually, not last game of the season because they have the – they have their uh, rescheduled game now. Mm-hmm. But um, just in general, like, you know, they've been on a two-game losing streak. I think they're ready to win one, especially at home. Butch Davis is a good enough coach to understand that, you know, they have to play the they have to play the pass really well. They don't have to really – I mean, they have to worry a little about the run, but not as much as, you know, some of the other teams in the conference. No offense, just being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game. I think Western is the better team, but I think just because of – you know what happened to FIU these last two weeks? They're going to be a little, uh, pardon my French, pissed off, and they're going to want to win this one pretty badly. And um, yeah, it'll just be interesting. I think. I think because right now, you know, since everything's already clinched, now every team's playing just to have the best record mm-hmm. to be able to choose the best bowl game for them, um, except for ODU. Well, I mean, they still got a chance. They still got to make a bowl game here. Um, so that game, yeah. if you're looking to catch that one, that one is at uh, 7 p.m. local time in Miami on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, no national TV, but if you're in the area, there are tickets available still from uh, $3. So get on that. Um, it's crushing. Yeah, do you want that game to be our bet for this week then? Let's just go through and then we'll figure it out. Okay, cool. Uh, next one, North Texas at Rice. I think North Texas runs away with it, and they close out the regular season with a win because Rice is not very good. Um, you can catch that one on ESPN3, and it will be at... Uh, noon local time in Houston. Rice by four. <laughs> really? <laughs> Rice by four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'm doing it. I'm killing it. Picking, Crushing the game. Picking Rice to get their second win of the year. We'll see how that goes. Um, next one, UTEP at UAB in Birmingham there at uh, at noon I think UAB doesn't really have a problem here. I think UAB exercises some demons here from last week, and they just run all over the minors and completing the 0-12 season for UTEP. Yeah, sorry, UTEP, but that's going to happen. Um, have they found a coach yet by chance? Do we know? They have not. Like, at least they figure out what they're doing. I would, I would so, imagine they wait until they take the Oregon State approach and just like wait until after the season to announce it. But I think it, I think we all know they've already found somebody. At least that's my that's my opinion. But we'll, I don't know that for a fact. And I think that's how coaches are now. They want to be like like I'm assuming that if Florida doesn't get Florida doesn't get Chip Kelly, that Scott Frost has already been offered the job too. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know, but he Scott Frost is a he won't he won't uh, announce that until after their season's over for UCF since they're having such a good year too. So um yeah, I think UAB wins this game. I think it's gonna be relatively not close at all. So Yeah, probably not. And I think that's gonna be kind of similar to uh what happens in this next one. FAU at Charlotte, uh two PM in uh in North Carolina there. I mean, is that I mean, is there any doubt FAU has been playing lights out? Charlotte has one victory. The vast majority of their games haven't even been close. Owls win. Bold prediction here, Cotton. 
<laughs> I think uh, I think FAU is going to win or win huge, but they're going to have five interceptions or four interceptions on the day. One of those two. They're going to catch five interceptions. Or they're going to throw five interceptions. They're going to catch five interceptions. Yeah, I can see that with the way that their defensive back core has been playing, along with the fact that you know Hassan Klu, Hassan Klu, while a pretty good <laughs> runner, not a very good passer. So, yeah, dude, seeing him play live, that was just abysmal. Yeah, it was just ugh. no offense, dude. I mean, well, I'm I'm not. Yeah, no offense to to Hassan. No, him if he's listening. Yeah, if he's listening. Yeah, if if I just, yeah. there's any chance that he, <laughs> I I doubt it, but. I thought you were saying no offense to me, and I was like, why would I? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Southern Miss at Marshall is the next one, 2.30 p.m. in Huntington, West Virginia there. Uh, I feel good about Southern Miss here. They've been inconsistent all year, but Marshall just looked like they ran out of gas in that last game. So I don't know what to think of them at this point, but I, I think Southern Miss is – kind of on a little bit of a upswing as opposed to a downswing, which they've, you know, ebbed and flowed a little bit this year. But I, I think the Golden Eagles are going to be able to uh, put up some good offensive numbers and win this game. So this is, I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend by far, other than that ADU Middle Tennessee game for obvious reasons. Uh-huh. Um, dude, yeah, no, it's such an interesting game because I think both teams are actually really good and better than they're, you know, better than they seem this year. But um, I'm actually going to disagree with you. I think Marshall does win this game. And, like, w- when it's always these close games where I'm not sure who's going to win, like, I always just tend to go with the team that's at home. And I tend to go with the team that has the better defense. And I think while Southern Miss has the better offense, Marshall has better defense. And I think that does play a key role in this. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I, Marshall does have the better defense. Southern Miss haven't been able to, uh, with the exception of last week where they got two pick sixes. Granted, it was against Charlotte. Their their defense hasn't been their strong point. So I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Um, then we'll move on to previewing Old Dominion at Middle Tennessee. Uh, both teams Woo-hoo! are playing for a bull berth here with five victories on their record. Uh, my my head is saying MTSU, but my gut honestly is saying Old Dominion. So what do you think? This could this could go so good or so bad for ODU because I think there's so much. Um, yeah, I don't think there's gonna be a lot of people with this game. Everything. I think there's been a lot of distractions, and I think, you know, what I'm hoping is also have some type of like to like talk to his team because I want them to be distracted as much as possible, and I want there to be as much like parity, par- not parity, but I want there to be like anger in the locker room at each other, and not really focusing on the game. I yeah. think ODU can win this game. I think they've been playing better and better each week, and I think there's, I mean, I mean, I think Stephen Williams and they prove that they're a good team. They're they're getting better. I don't think they're a good team by any ma- measure yet. I think they this win. I think they've seen, they they survived week in and week out. I think they beat a better team in FIU two weeks ago than what Middle Tennessee State is, and I think that is, I think they can win the game. I'm not saying they're going to, but. I'm going to choose them. I think I, I have faith in Coach Water. I have faith in this team. I have faith in Ray Lowry in his last game, maybe ever as a monarch, to, be able to you know, grind out the yards that he needs to grind out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I'm picking Old Dominion in that one as well. And, you know, we'll see if we're right. It's going to be in Murfreesboro on ESPN 3, 2 p.m. local time. 
Last one. This is another one that's going to be really interesting considering what's at stake for uh, Louisiana Tech. Um, not too much for UTSA other than maybe a little bit better bowl, but it's their last game of the year, so I, I know that they are looking to end the season on a high note, send the seniors out with a victory. Um, I'm talking about UTSA at Louisiana Tech. Catch that one on ESPNU in the Watch ESPN app. Yeah, it's uh, 6.30 p.m. there in Ruston. Uh like I said, Tech needs the win for a bull berth. They're favored by two right now. Um, and a few weeks back, I said Tech wouldn't make a bull. But given how the past couple weeks have gone and how Jamar Smith has performed, I think I'm taking them. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting – this is a really interesting game too because, like, it's such a toss-up. You, you go, you could go with the team that, you know, needs the sixth win or you can go with the team with that – I mean, I think I'm pretty sure, and I, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, Louisiana Tech ran a score up on UTSA last year. So you're looking at a team that's probably just angry and wants to, like, come in and revenge it and also, like, be like, ha-ha, you're not going to a bowl game. Excuse me for the crack. But, so, I, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, this is going to be really close, but I actually do think uh, – I agree, actually. I think Louisiana Tech will pull this one out. Okay, so we're in agreement on that one. And so. you're right. I mean, it, it's going to be an extremely close game. I mean, the spread is two points for a reason, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, it's an interesting, because it could go either way. It really it really just depends. I think it's going to depend on who has the ball, to be honest. Who has the, yeah, who has the ball less, who's on the field, uh, you know, fewer times. I, I can definitely see that. So, whoever has the ball at, or ball, did you say less or last? Fast. Oh, yeah, that Whoever makes has more sense. Final drive. <laughs> yeah, that would make more sense. Whoever has the ball last can get the uh, final points. Um, so I, we're both taking Louisiana Tech in that one. That'll be interesting. Um, and that wraps up the Week 13 recap. So we'll move on to the uh, questions of the week. In uh, well, first off, yeah. so the Florida International one is ours, or do you North Texas Rice? Because there's one that you're probably have a better thing, but I have a grudge, so I'm going to keep it that way. Oh, you're you're still you're sticking with Rice in that game against North Texas. Oh, oh definitely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we could I, do we could do Western Kentucky Florida International and show that you have confidence in your team, or we could do Rice North Texas. Um, you know what? Just because I need a win, I'm going to go North Texas on this one you know what the first oh, yeah. the first bet that i won where you had to have the kid from up as your profile picture that was because north texas won so north texas has been great to me so i'm gonna roll with them in this one. i just want to see it. i i wonder if i'm gonna get any tweets about like just being mean and being a bully <laughs> You know, I'm pretty sure, I, I, as far as swearing on the podcast goes, I think the American podcast guys uh, for UDD dropped a couple uh, this past week when they were talking about how, granted, justifiably so, how like criminally underwrite or it's justified oh, that how, they were angry how, considering. Oh, yes, the CFB? Yeah, with the oh, college football God. playoff rankings and how low Memphis and Central Florida are. Like, it's... Well, especially yeah. especially this freaking week when they, dude, when when you have a Mississippi State team with three losses ahead of UCF who hasn't lost a game this year, that's just ridiculous. Uh, absolutely, yeah, it's that's it's, absolutely insane to me. Yeah, I I would be pissed off too. Like I I fully 
understandable, guys. If you listen to this, Jesus, like I, oh my God, it's just ridiculous because you're 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 making it so hard, so hard for like for what what do G five teams that are like the upper echelon G five teams even play for if they're not even able to like play to have a, like a fair chance at being in one of the big bowl games? Like you're you're literally just like saying, ah, screw it, screw you. Like what do, what do they have to do? They do 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 the upper echelon football teams in G5 have to go independent? Like is that their only way to even have a chance? Like do they go independent and just schedule just schedule, you know, mid mid-tier Power 5 games most of the year throughout the country just so that they have a chance? It, it definitely seems that way. But I, I mean, don't, you know, I, I don't know that there are too many teams with the resources to kind of roll the, are willing to roll the dice on that kind of situation. So, I well, so let's think about the teams that might be able to, like, could, could do it if they wanted to. Like, and I don't mean like the really upper, like, I mean, like, I mean teams like you're going to go into the ACC and play a Boston College. Not obviously because they're actually decent this year somehow. But like mm-hmm. Syracuse, you know, you're gonna go and play Syracuse, and you're gonna play the upper echelon teams from each of the G5s too. You're gonna play the Western Michigan of last year. I mean, obviously scheduling, you can't, you can't, you don't know who's gonna be good each year, but you can, you can guess it just based on the power of the, the power of the school in recent years, how good they're gonna be. So like that, I feel like that's the only way. So you have teams, you know, maybe a. I think UCF is decent enough. I think they've been decent enough. They've had either a really good year or a really bad year the last few years. So it seems like that, I think. I mean, it's just hard to say because maybe Colorado State, maybe San Diego State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so. there's a couple of teams in that Mountain West area or like San Diego State and Memphis Boise State too. who have ranked yeah. now. Mem- yeah, Memphis is definitely in that category. Houston could probably be in that category given how – yeah, I mean, they're not ranked this year, but when they were with, you know, Tom Herman, that was kind of the thing. And, you yeah. know, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting with G5 and, like, the coaching instability there because they're, like, you see teams have these years where they're easily, you know, top 10, top 5 teams in, in a lot of facets. Well, PJ but, and then, yeah, exactly. Like, what happened with, with Western Michigan? Like, they cracked the top 10. And then PJ Fleck left, and now Western Michigan, while they're still good, they're, you know, they couldn't, they definitely could not beat last year's team. So it's just, yeah, it's, no. it's hard to predict. And well, like, and to be honest about last year's team, that team just, I mean, that had like three like people that could have easily probably gone first or second round. I mean, that wide receiver definitely did, right? Yeah, uh, I think Corey Davis for the Titans. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. What's up with the Titans just grabbing every freaking player, wide receiver, from, like, G5? <laughs> I saw because they have uh, Tawan Taylor from uh, Western Kentucky as well. No, right? no they, have, they have Tywan Taylor. Mm-hmm. They have that dude, Corey Davis. Mm-hmm. They have Lucky, Willie, Lucky Whitehead now from FAU. And they just signed Zach Pascal from ODU. <laughs> What's their deal? Like, what what are they planning over there? I mean, what, they what just, are they getting at? They know. They know that the MAC and Conference USA <laughs> are where you go to find elite talent. Yeah, the elite wide receivers in the yeah. country. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Screw Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are getting probably the best wide receiver each year from the conference. I mean, that's that's how that it way. is. And 
And because, like, I mean, guys like Tywan Jones, guys like Zach Pascals, guys like Corey Davis, all, all, you know, power five, top 25 teams in the country talent. I mean, they could have played for any team. Um, they just didn't have the exposure, I guess, when they were younger. I mean, I, I've seen Zach play. That kid could have played for any team in the country. He could have. He was, he was that good. So, rant done. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's fine. Um, so we'll, with that, we'll jump into the questions of the week. And I kind of threw one out last week that nobody responded to. But uh, I'll go ahead and pose to you this week, and then we can do uh, a question of the week from you if you have one. But um, this was my question. So how many teams is it acceptable to consistently root for in college football and for what reasons like i okay to give you an example like i know you root for old dominion because you played there um and then you're you know a gator fan because of your family and all that so i you know i'm talking about like that kind of situation like how many teams is it acceptable to root for and right. why? so this is this is this is my thought process so i've actually thought about this too is the tiers of the team so you have your upper echelon teams. You have your tier one teams. These include the teams like Florida, usually. Not this year, obviously. But Florida, Alabama, Clemson, Florida State. Any team that's historically a top 10 team, top 15 team. Um, you can argue with me and say that Florida's not. I think they are. I always think they are. Shut up. I hate you all. Um, then you have your tier two teams. Those are teams like Wake Forest, North Carolina, NC State. They're never going to be a national championship contender, but they're never not going to be, you know, a top 25 to a top 30 team. Okay. Mm -hmm. So those, so, okay. And then you have tier three, which is like middle range where, you know, you have a Western Kentucky ODU, like those teams that are the, the team. And I wouldn't say consider actually ODU yet because we've only been to one bowl game, even though we've been bowl eligible three times. Um, the teams that are, uh, they, you know, they're they're smaller conferences, but they're they're always a bowl contender. And then you have your 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 uh, your Weenie Hut Junior team. This is your Rice. This is your Charlotte. And that's basically it. Mm -hmm. Actually, no. This is your North Texas. Um, <laughs> those teams. Those are the Weenie Hut Junior teams. Uh -huh. You can like. So what I think is, you can like. I would say one of all four. You can like of all, 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 you can like one of all four. So for me, for me, it goes. I played at three FBS schools, so you know, obviously, Old Dominion is my tier tier three school. BC is my tier two school. Florida is my tier one school, and then Coastal Carolina is my Weenie Hot Junior. So. <laughs> okay. So. All right. And I guess people don't know that about me that I played at Coastal. I don't know if I've ever said that. You, I, I, believe you, I believe you said that's where your career kind of started on an earlier podcast, but I, I didn't know to, you know to what extent you played and saw action for the chance. Um, okay, but I, I feel like that's kind of a reasonable explanation of you know justifiable reasons to root for a team with the tier system. Yeah. Um, so here's my kind of counter argument. Um, so I have a few teams that I you know actively root for. With with Western, I follow the team closely because I lived in Kentucky for a while. Um, and well, you went to school there. It's your alma mater. It is not actually. Wait, it's not. No. 
We need to have like <laughs> some type of sound like dun dun dun. <laughs> if I just drop. I thought it shell. was. Dude. No, so no. I went to um, I went to Louisville. I went to U of L. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But did your girlfriend go to Western Kentucky? She did. That's what. Okay. So I knew one of you guys went. I just. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So. I went okay. to Kentucky for a while, and while I was there was kind of when they were really starting to get rolling. Um, I believe they had uh, – I believe Bobby Petrino – it was either Willie – I think it was Willie Taggart's like last year maybe. Okay. Um, but anyway, that's when they kind of really started to get rolling, and I started kind of paying attention to them. And because like the local media kind of covers them so much, that's kind of how I got knowledgeable about the about the team and just kind of kept up with them and especially since my uh girlfriend is an alumni we you know kind of watched one or two games and then when it came to udd they you know in the interview or whatever they were like what what teams are you knowledgeable about and i threw a few out there and they said western okay you write you write about western now i was like sweet (laughs) so yeah that that's kind of how that happened but um uh, graduated from Louisville, don't really have a strong reading interest in them either way. I mean, I, I worked in the athletic department for a little while, so I, I got to know some of those guys, but most of them are gone now. So they're either, you know, off doing life stuff or one or two of them are in the NFL. And I, you know, I, I want those guys to do well, but as far as like the administration that's at UofL right now, I don't really care one way or another. Um, and then yeah, one of my JUCO teammates played at Louisville. Uh, which one? Kohei Katini. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, I I don't you know have a personal relationship or with him or whatever, but he's he's good. He had a really good year last year yeah. when the year that Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. Yeah, he's with the 49ers now. That's right. I forgot about that. But um, mm-hmm. but any, back to my point. So I kind of I kind of root for Western for like work reasons. I wish Louisville football well um, because I went there and worked over there for a little bit. But growing up in Ohio, my grandpa on my mom's side actually. Ew. Had... <laughs> Ew. Oh, gra- I didn't even say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you, um, you had this. All you had to say was Ohio. <laughs> growing, I know up, you're going. <laughs> growing up in Ohio, my my grandpa had uh, season tickets to Ohio State football, so definitely getting to go to those games and being as it's like such a big thing <laughs> in that state, I I enjoy rooting for them and watching them. Um. So, but yes. I will. So say, I kind of agree with that because. No, you go. Sorry. Nothing. I would. I was just go gonna later. say. I. I would say they are definitely one of my top, you know, two or three, top two probably rooting interests in terms of college football. So I know you write for another site uh, about yeah. Oregon State, right? Yeah. 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 So what do you um, do you like root for them? Actively root for them too? I do. Um. So. Because that's the... that's your like that's your tier two tier three team right there. Yeah, with um with Oregon State, I kind of um uh, one of the other things I write about pretty extensively is college baseball. So given the fact that they are a very good college baseball team, that's kind of how I got into like covering them and writing about them because the you know um, who's a better college baseball team? Who's that? Thank Florida. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but that's kind of how I got into writing at buildingthedam.com, SB Nation's Oregon State community. 
um, covering the baseball team. Um, but, and then kind of along the way going to grad school out in the Northwest, I've kind of had, you know, friends move on to work there and all that. So I, I do have a rooting interest in the, in the Beavers for, you know, similar reasons as, as, uh, as Western. Um, but I would say my probably top rooting interest at this point is, uh, Notre Dame and, before you, you know, oh, God. before oh, you, before you jump on me for here's the, I get why people hate Notre Dame. I totally get it. It's justified. But my reasoning was for that was just because my grandfather went there who I'm named after. And anytime I go back home, I always kind of bump into people who have like stories about how cool he was. And he was a, you know, World War Two vet and all that. And he passed away when I was pretty young. So I never really got like a chance to know him that well. So he was a huge Notre Dame fan. So kind of getting to watch him and like, or or not watch him, but watch Notre Dame football with my family back home who were all his, you know, grandkids and kids and all that, that, I don't know. It's just kind of feels nice and comforting to me. So that, that's why I, that's why Notre Dame's my team. But I, I, my point I of all this, huh? I have a Notre Dame college ball. Oh, that's right. Ball because you're because of your uh, ball collection from your playing career. Remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I think my kind of whole point of this is I I feel like it's acceptable if you have like a strong enough in, uh, connection there because of like family or like some kind of like positive experience. You know what I mean? Like I have positive experiences going to yeah. Ohio State games. I have the family connection to Notre Dame, kind of like you did with Florida. And so, and then I have the like, you know, tier three team with, with Oregon state because of friends and work and where I live now. So I, I feel like I'm not really breaking too many rules by having the rooting interest I have because of my reasoning. Yeah. And I think, I think it's, a, it's kind of the same thing. Like, I mean, I, I inherently just cause I grew up in Pennsylvania and, um, you know, I went to a lot of Florida games, but I went to a lot of Penn State games too with fans, like friends of mine, who would just invite me to go, and they because they knew I liked college football. Um, I kind of grew like I didn't love them, but I always kind of like had this like, like, you know, soft spot for PSU. Sure. And um, just as of recently, just like with everything that happened a few years ago, I mean, I was supposed to go there too, which sucks, but um, I have you know. You, you you root for that. You root for a team that, you know, bad things bad things did occur there, but it wasn't because of the players. And no. so you root for those guys. And I'm just thankful. Like I'm really happy for James Franklin and that whole crew, just to be able to do what they've they've been able to do. Unfortunately, they lost this year. I was hoping to see them play in the at least in the playoffs. But you know, yeah, it's kind of like that for me. I don't like actively root for them. Like if they were to ever play Florida or ODU. I'd hope they'd lose by, like, 90 touchdowns. Sure. But, you know, it, I I don't like anyone in the Big Ten, so I'm like, whatever, you know. I, I'd at least like to see them win if I'm going to have someone from the Big Ten in the conference champion or in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. I, I and I seriously like... don't like Ohio State. So. <laughs> and, again, understandable. Um, I, I, I get yeah. why my teams are disliked for the reasons that they are. But at the same – but I, yeah. with the local rooting interest, I feel like that is on its own – I feel like that's acceptable, you know, whether it be P5, G5, like rooting for a local team is fine. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. Especially with, especially with the amount they're on TV and stuff. 
I mean, you're right. gonna you're gonna get them. I mean, I mean, I, uh, you know, if I were living in Tallahassee, I'd probably blow my brains out because I'd have to watch so much Florida State football. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Right. It's actually kind of funny because um, the funniest thing is my uncle's running for mayor of Tallahassee, and okay. he's a he he went to the University of Florida, mm-hmm. and like. We always just give him flack now because he go, has to go to all the Florida, like he goes to a lot of Florida state events since he's the commissioner of the city. Mm-hmm. So, so he'll like, like he always posts pictures and like he used to post pictures with um like you know you know the head coach I can't, can't even think of his name but um head coach you know Jameis Winston all those guys and I'm just like you traitor. <laughs> so like, but like I you know there's always gonna be that draw especially if you grow up in a city near a college team. Because, you know, they're just there and, uh, you know, all your friends like them and, you know, you hang out with your friends on Saturday, they're going to be watching them or their parents are going to be watching them. So you're just going to have some type of draw to the team. For sure. I feel like the gist of what we're saying is root for whoever you want. College football is supposed to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, dude, just don't be a bandwagon fan. Yeah, don't. Yeah. I mean, I feel like don't jump ship from like. I don't know, one, like, national championship team to, like, the next. You know what I mean? If you were – I can't even think of, like, who – if you were an Alabama fan two years ago and then a Clemson fan last year, like, you know, you know what you did. You know what kind of of person you are. (laughs) And Uh just don't be a North Texas fan. So just just those two. Bandwagon, North Texas. Neither of them. (laughs) You have a very short list of uh, bad fan criteria, it sounds like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's Sorry. my so that was my question of the week. Um, do you have one? No, we'll just leave it at that for this week. I think that was a good question, actually. Just leave it at that. All right, cool. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's show. Thank you for listening, as always. Uh, if you found us on iTunes, go ahead and subscribe. Please leave us a review. Helps the show grow. Um, make sure you're following at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter and like us, like them on Facebook as well. That way you see all the great stuff uh, that us and the rest of the staff write right when it comes out. Um, also follow myself and Satchel on Twitter. I am at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore uh, Satchel is at Z-I-F-F underscore 15. Um, we really thank you guys for listening. We put a lot of uh, time and effort into the show, even if we are uh, volunteers. Um, but, uh, you know, at that point, have a very happy Thanksgiving. And uh, Satchel, what's your sign-off line for this week? Denton, Texas has the worst air quality in the state. Happy football watching. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Black Friday shopping. All that. Hashtag crap. new Denton. <laughs> have a good week. <laughs>